to the Move Ball podcast. I am your host, Nick Cush, and this time on the pod, we're doing a little bit of a 2023 roundup so far. You know, we're halfway through the year, a lot of movies have been seen, many discussions have been had already, so we figured we'd take a chance at this point in the year to kind of go over some of our favorite movies of the year. And to help me do that is fellow big movie guy, Spencer Henderson. What's going on, buddy? Big movie guy, yeah. Uh, I'm excited to talk to you today. I think it's been an interesting year so far in film. It's honestly been a really interesting summer, too. It's like I feel like a lot of stuff has kind of been underperforming and underwhelming a lot of people. So I think all that's we're in an interesting spot in the year. Yeah, I'm I think I'm past the point where it's like, are we is this a good year for movies or not? Because like it's like, I don't know, like there's always good stuff, maybe it's not. Maybe all the blockbusters underperform. We're always going to find good movies to watch. Uh, but it has been weird. I will definitely give you that because you have like all these movies like you have like your Elementals, your Dial of Destinies. They're all kind of underperforming. And then you have Across the Spider-Verse over here doing really, yeah. really well. We'll talk about that movie later on. Um, it, it just it seems very weird. There seems like there's things in flux. And I'm kind of with you where... The summer movie season, we're still kind of, you know, we're recording this before your your Oppenheimers, your Barbies, your Mission Impossibles. So there's still a lot there. It seems like um, we are headed for a really good second half of the year, too. And yeah, we're recording this on the day that the Napoleon trailer dropped. That movie looks sick. Um, it was so, in my most anticipated, too. I just want to. Yeah. Good for I you. You're doing it. That. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I feel like. You know, we're kind of this, these lists that we kind of put together are kind of more of our favorites, not necessarily in any particular order. Uh, but I have a feeling that a lot will change by the end of the year. Then you have all your rewards movies that we don't even know about yet that will probably get dated at some point. They'll play at your Venices and whatnot, AFIs and all the, the fall festivals. So there's a lot, lots to come. But there has been a lot good so far that we wanted to highlight here. And I feel like between both of our lists, we kind of, I think we have a, a wide variety of different movies. I think they're pretty cool. Um, mm-hmm. Different genres, um, different, like, just different, like, budget levels. Um, so I think we have two good lists here. But how we'll do it is we both just kind of have five movies that we want to share. No, no particular order. Uh, we have one shared movie that we were going to save for the end. So I guess that's nine movies here total. And we'll kind of get in some honorable mentions. Um, but yeah, movies, they're pretty good. <laughs> so why don't we um, just kind of just jump on in here. I want to, Spencer, I'll start with a movie on your side. What is a movie you wanted to throw out here for as one of your favorites so far? Uh, so my mine actually I will do in order. And okay. uh, mine, you're, breaking, my number... you're breaking the structure already. Good job. Okay, well, we don't actually have to do uh, the, <laughs> no, that's okay. the order I'm thing, just fucking but it's with like, you. Okay, okay. Get to your movies. Uh, I believe in you. Yeah. So my number five is Showing Up, uh, which is the new Kelly Reichardt movie. Um, there Actually, my number five spot, there were a lot of things kind of battling for that spot. And uh, I just feel like this is one that it was destined from the beginning to go underappreciated this year, um, which is often the case with Kelly Reichardt. As a filmmaker, I, I think that if I have a any complaint i don't think this stands with like the best of her movies just because it is a little more slight i think than her best work 
Um, it's it's very much like a smaller stakes kind of movie that is still like really beautiful, I think, and profound and funny and kind of sad. And it has a great lead performance by Michelle Williams and a great supporting turn from Hong Chow, who are two actors who I really like. And it's nice to see Hong Chow actually be in a in a good movie. Um, I, I feel yep. like she's had a really rough, <laughs> rough track record with because she's a great actress. I've always liked her, but she just doesn't get sometimes she's attached to projects. I just don't resonate with uh, the whale being the most recent. Um, and yeah, this movie is just uh just really really great from beginning to end uh and i i might like it better on a rewatch that's often the case with kelly reichardt films but yeah i highly recommend it and and it just seems like once again it's kind of gone under the radar and i hope people check it out yeah it's one i haven't actually been able to see yet unfortunately i i like you i really like kelly reichardt um, and I was kind of bummed when I didn't get a chance to see it. But yeah, it's still not available for streaming, which was interesting because it's kind of been out for a little bit. But um, yeah, Kelly Reichardt and Michelle Williams is always a good combination. So you can't really go wrong there. Yeah. A24, make your movies available for people to watch, please. Like it's it is honestly ridiculous how, it is weird. how hard I, it is to watch showing up. Yeah, I it was it played in no theaters around me, mm-hmm. and then um, immediately went to premium VOD. And I know premium VOD is a big deal, but I'm not paying twenty bucks to see a movie. I'm sorry, I'm cheap. I'll wait for streaming. <laughs> I so I I try to support all these movies in theaters, but sometimes you know you you got to do what you got to do. Life happens, and so uh, for now, no showing up for me. You could say I'm not showing up. Yeah, I guess. But um, can't win them I'm all. Probably, you know, I'm going to cut that because that's a horrible joke. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but we'll move on to some to movie that I wanted to mention off the bat here was, which is Reality, um, which is the, I guess, the Sydney Sweeney vehicle about um, reality winner. I guess the, uh, what would you call her? The whistleblower from, I guess, a few years ago from the NSA. Um, very interesting um movie it's based off of a play of i think that what the director's name is uh is it tina satter i'm gonna look it up right now yeah tina satter uh this is her uh directorial debut and it's she based this off of her own play um and i find it really really interesting because what this movie is is just the just basically the transcript of when the fbi showed up to reality winner's house and started to question her and it's that word for word and the movie makes sure that you understand that because it kind of it shows like the manuscript being written um, as the uh, movie is playing out. But it's I think it's a really interesting case in how direct, um, I guess, adaptation actually can have a lot of merit and have a lot of cinematic quality to it. Um, I think there's it's it's a bit of a meta reasoning for why I really like this movie, but I think when there's an adaptation, there are so many times where we kind of talk about um, like what is historically accurate, what isn't, when does that matter, when does it not? Um, and I think this movie is a really interesting case on how you can literally take the wording um, from real life, just word for word, and stylize it and make it really interesting and create a lot of tension out of random conversations. Because I think that's the big thing that I take away from this movie. Because even in your 
movies that are more, I guess, historically accurate in how they portray real life events, they're still stylizing the dialogue. They're ma- they're they're making things a little a little a little slicker, making making people sound, I guess, smarter and a little zippier in that in the writing sort of way and how they talk to each other. But here in this movie. You have Sidney Sweeney kind of talking with uh, agents played by Josh Hamilton and Marshawn Davis, who there's a lot of ums, there's a lot of awkward pauses, uh, basically just how normal people talk. And then when you bring in this weird situation, like you bring in all those weird kind of tiny little bits to it as well when people are stammering. And it creates a lot of tension out of that. And I think um, that's something that I find really interesting that I haven't seen a lot of movies do. Um, so I really like this movie. It's like 80 minutes, which is another just way to my heart immediately. Um, but I, I really, really like this movie. I thought it was really interesting. Yeah. Cool movie. Really cool movie. I, I like, I always planned to watch this. Like it kind of dropped. It felt like out of nowhere. And then seeing it was on your top five, it, I've made it a priority before this podcast. Uh, yeah, it, it's funny. The FBI agent and agents and reality winner, like it, they should have get gotten screenwriting credits because, like, yeah, it's literally yeah, that's funny. word for word the dialogue, uh, which is a really interesting thing. Like, I feel like that's something that could have failed catastrophically. Absolutely. But like you said, it it makes it so tense and the interaction feels so real, and you have this. Uh, knowledge throughout the movie they make it very clear that that's what's happening throughout the duration of this interaction with reality and these and these fbi agents and i i think it it becomes like this really really interesting kind of examination of yeah like power and Mm -hmm. how power is exercised over normal people by these institutions and i yeah, I thought Sydney Sweeney was that's her name, right? Yeah, Sydney Sweeney. I thought she was <laughs> I thought she was great in the movie and I love the way that the movie's shot. Like I feel like it's very tense and it's there's there's a lot of claustrophobia with yeah. the way that it's shot. Uh there's the second half of the movie essentially plays out in this one room. And the movie never felt like it got boring with the way that it shot that room. Like it felt like it was finding interesting ways to kind of portray this situation throughout that. And uh, yeah, the I thought in particular, uh, uh, Josh Hamilton gave a really like chilling performance. He's good. Because, he's really good at yeah, this. Yeah, he like manages to like, you. he's that type of officer who's like, you're like, oh, this guy seems like the nice one. And then he like can turn ice cold on an instant. I just thought he was really, really effective in the role. So I agree. It's an awesome movie. Yeah, it's an interesting look at, like you said, power dynamics, because they are taking word for word what these people are doing. But there's a lot of things that are still aren't done, like her Miranda rights are not read. Um, You can kind of see how they're kind of leading her into like, choosing specific things to like options for herself it's really it's really fascinating and i I really i really dug it so i thought that was really cool and i think that's that's on the artist formerly known as hbo max right now for anybody who wants to stream it um but we will we'll move on from there what's another one that you wanted to mention here so my number four movie is are you there god it's me margaret uh which is 
the new film from Kelly Freeman Craig, who directed and wrote, I believe, Edge of Seventeen yep. uh, a couple years ago uh, with Haley Seinfeld. And this is another coming of age movie. Uh, the lead character of this movie is quite a bit younger. Uh, it's about a 11 year old girl who is uh, about to undergo the the awkward time period of puberty um and it's kind of follows her and this group of friends and this movie blew me away like uh, when i when i went to the theater i was expecting something probably solid because i really enjoyed the edge of 17 like i was really curious to see how kelly freeman craig's uh follow-up to that film would be um and i feel like this film exceeded my expectations in every single way um i think that it's interesting because this is another movie that didn't perform all that well at the box office uh and i think that's a shame because i feel the subject matter of this movie is timeless in a way that it everyone goes through being a teenager and like the the trials and the awkwardness and the the changes that all of that all of that brings with it and uh this is a film that captures it in such an honest and hilarious and touching way um i feel like it's a movie that like every teenage girl like it's it's no question they should watch it because i think there's a lot of truth to be mined from this movie and uh yeah i was blown away like at the end of the movie i'm like you know crying over a girl like going through puberty like this a scene <laughs> in like between the mom and the daughter and uh yeah i just love the movie i think the lead actress whose name is abby Ryder forston is uh awesome in the movie she's great rachel mcadams plays her mom she's fantastic uh benny safty of the safty brothers plays My her guy. dad and he's great in the movie like just all everyone in it just totally totally knocks it out of the park and yeah i could not recommend this movie more i think it's great it's wholesome it, it, it like any age can watch it basically so strong yeah. highest possible recommendation yet another movie that is not available for streaming yet and it bothers me that i think there was I came out right around the same time as showing up, and who knows what I was doing then. But, you know, I haven't been able to see either of these movies, and they're two that I've been high on my list to see for a while. Um, so I'm hoping to get around to Are You There, God, in a minute. Because I, I agree you with you. You just Judy hate Blooms. women. That's it. That's it. I hate women. You can cut that. Cut this out of this pod, put it yeah. on Twitter, yeah. put it out of context for everybody to hear. That's, that's it. Right there. <laughs> Damn. It's been a good ride. It's been a good ride for movie babble, but I guess we're done here. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I've been looking forward to that movie for for quite a while, quite a long time. Edge of Seventeen is a is a kind of a favorite of mine. Um, One of the first movies I actually saw when I started this website. I really liked that movie quite a bit. Um, So, yeah, definitely looking forward to that one. Uh, We'll move on to another one of my favorites this year, which is I think just speaks to my sicko nature nature because that is skinnamarink my beloved mm. skinnamarink um really cool how this movie even got into theaters it i guess it was leaked out of one of the festivals when it played at last year and then it became a like a creepypasta-esque sensation on tiktok 
I think this movie cost like $15,000 from Kyle Edward Ball, the director. Um, and then it just played in theaters this January. And it was, it was kind of amazing to see such an abstract, um, non, I guess, linear, just horror art piece. I don't even know what you call this thing, but just play this being played in AMC theaters and people like I, there was a lot of people in my screening of this movie. So it was just really heartening to see this movie happen and be a thing. And it is, it is just what I think it seems like it's one of those movies that plays really well on your computer just the way it's it's set up, it, it, it does seem kind of like a slight creepy pasta and how it's constructed. Uh, but it worked really well in the theaters for me. I was really horrified watching this entire thing, and I've been thinking a lot about this movie recently because I feel like you know horror is in a really interesting spot. And I know for like the longest time, elevated horror was like I guess like the the leading. I guess, moniker of where horror was, which I, I've always hated that phrase. I think it's really annoying, and it also just kind of discourages all other horror because horror's always had ideas in it, and the fact that, like, A24 packaged a lot of these movies together um, made it so people saw it differently. But that was just never the case. But all of them did have signifiers where they're very atmospheric, um, I guess high-minded from auteurs that we've kind of come on, we've gone on to love. Um, and Skinnerbrink feels like whatever the next iteration of this is, it feels like post-elevated horror, where it's more abstract. It's a combination of internet, um, internet iconography, 70, low, like, low-budget 70s, um, like, grain in terms of how it's filmed. Um, and just, and it's just, and this just, I guess it follows somewhat of, like, a plot, but it's really just, like, a plotless sensory experience. Um, so I don't even know how to describe this movie. I guess it's just two kids wake up and all the walls or all the windows and doors are gone in their house and there's a demon in their house. Um, and that's kind of it. And it's really creepy. Um, yeah. Love Skinnamarink. This movie's really, really good. I can't recommend it enough. It is truly one of the most singular movies I've seen in a while. And I think it deserves, um, additional credit just for that but i know you love this movie as well so what are your thoughts on it yeah this is another one like you know it was really hard picking my top five honestly because i really wanted to put skin and Marink in there uh but yeah i just i knew you would talk about it so it's like just oh i can talk about it too uh this movie is incredible like uh i can't believe I was able to go to a theater and watch this movie earlier this year. It's crazy. Like you talked about. Yeah. yeah. With like the just state because, of where theaters are, it is just so wild. This thing played, yeah. played in big multiplexes. Just something this abstract and weird and <laughs> just unconventional. There was like this uh, 50 plus couple who came into Skinnamarink when <laughs> me and my fiance were sitting next to each other and we were like making bets like will they make it through the movie and they did like it was I was mind blown by the end of the by the end of it just because I was I, I was I found the movie to be very uh what, what's the word I want to use I found it to be very experimental and slow paced but very effective for me and uh, I, yeah, I, I also think this movie's horrifying. Like I, I was truly terrified. Ter- I was terrified watching this movie, and it's it's one of those movies that it's 
it's just the way it gets under your skin. Like there, uh, the, I think I wrote this in like my letterbox review when the movie came out, when I was a kid, there would be times where I was in bed and I would see a shadow on the wall. And if I looked yeah. at the shadow long enough, I would convince myself that I was seeing a face in the wall. And this is a movie that is about that feeling like yep. 100% about that feeling. It captures these childhood fears and these anxieties that you have uh, because you know that you mentioned the plot what the very loosely called the plot but uh the the kids waking up in this house that the doors and the windows are gone that's already a terrifying setup and, and it's, concept it's so weird of. too it's like yes. weirdly detailed in a way yeah it's like yeah it's just very bizarre the, the, yeah the way they execute it is very strange but it it then it's just this escalation of this panic and this terror and this feeling that you're you're not alone when you're in the dark like i i think that it's it's truly one of a kind truly original uh in its form and its its style and uh i also can't recommend the movie enough even if you don't know if you'll like that i think it's worth giving it a shot just because it's so interesting yeah it's a classic movie that a random person sees and it's like hey nothing happens <laughs> um yeah but I do declare that everything happens and it's horrifying. It makes me terrified of like those old boob lights that you see in houses. My house mm-hmm. has a bunch of those. So like the night I'm looking up at mine right now, but the night after the night, I, the night I saw the movie, I was looking up at that at night and I was like, Oh, that's great. <laughs> it's really great. Yeah. It's a movie that makes you really terrified about the corners of walls. So I don't know how it yeah. did that, but it was really successful. <laughs> so skin and brink is really good. And I believe it's streaming on shutter right now. It's for anybody who's interested Indeed. in seeing it. Um, what's the, what's your next movie here, Spencer? What do you got for me? My number three is of an age, uh, which is, the new film from my guy, Goran Stolevsky, uh, who did You Won't Be Alone last year. Uh, this is one that our fellow movie babbler, Sean Coates, was telling me about last year when he saw it at Melbourne Film Fest. He's like, have you seen it yet? Like, in a, no, I've had no chance or opportunity <laughs> I, I don't to live. It. I don't live in Australia, no. Yeah. <laughs> and he was just he was just building my hype uh, throughout throughout the the year i suppose until until i was able to see it in february and it could not be more different than you won't be alone this is stylistically very different the subject matter of the movie is very different it's essentially a brief encounter film which i already love like that that's i i eat that genre up uh, about these two men uh one is a younger uh a man and the other one's kind of in college and they kind of have a spark of romance over the course of basically about 24 hours. I feel like it's it's mm-hmm. basically a, a day into the night and then the next day it kind of kind of ends. And then we get a kind of epilogue to it later in the film. Uh, I thought this movie was great. I thought that the performances were awesome in the movie. It felt really natural with the way that these people conversed and uh the the dynamics and the and the like just rawness of the movie i really loved which was something i also loved about you won't be alone um and yeah i i think it's completely worth watching and it is 
my number three. So, yeah. This was one I caught up with last night, actually. And I I think I'm on the opposite side of you where I guess Gorn is not my guy because the, the, this makes two in a row where I haven't weirdly clicked with his movies, even though they should be entirely my, my shit, you know? Like, I feel like You Won't Be Alone is basically like the Tree of Life, but a weird witch movie. And I'm, that sounds amazing to me. And weirdly, it didn't work for me. I know you loved it. And this movie was similar where it was like, I love these brief encounter movies. It's obviously heavily influenced by Wong Kar Wai. It mentions Happy Together by name um, in within the proceedings. Um, I don't know what it is with this with this guy. I I like all I like his vision. I like it. I see the vision, and for some reason, these movies just haven't clicked with me. I don't know what it is yet. I feel like I feel like I haven't been quite a, quite able to figure it out yet, but. I like that you recommended it because I know people really like this movie and I think I'm definitely in the minority on it. Interesting. Uh, yeah, it's like maybe there's just something about his his style or his writing that you don't like. I don't, I don't know I what, it what it is. What, yeah. I mean, with this movie, it felt like the brief encounter was more contrived than I wanted it to be. Um, mm. It felt like the characters were um, in support of this like creating the plot devices for this brief encounter rather than them feeling like they were people to me in a lot of ways. I don't know if uh, that's the other thing though. I feel like that's kind of like a pretty minor, like, I guess like dig at it, but it's still, it's, it just drove me crazy. I don't know. So I don't know what it is with this guy. I, I, I looked at his, like whatever his next movie is and it sounds like it would be great. So I'm hoping it is. <laughs> so I don't know. This might just be a, a personal therapy session for me. I need to just do a, a solo podcast talking about the films of Goran Stolevsky <laughs> later on. Because yeah. I don't know. An, I don't know what an, it is. It just doesn't work for me. It's an open question if you'll ever like a Goran Stolevsky film. So <laughs> we'll never know until the next we'll one. We'll never know until yeah. the next one comes out. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> okay, we'll move on to... My next film, which I'm gonna go with, I'll go with the crowd pleaser here. I'm gonna go with Across the Spider Verse, which um, follow up to Into the Spider Verse. Um, you know, I'm a cynical asshole when it comes to superhero movies these days, but this this movie rules. So does Into the Spider Verse. Can't wait for Beyond the Spider Verse now that it's called not it's not Across Spider Verse Part Two anymore. Um, these movies just rule. They are like it's funny because this came out right around the same time as the Flash, and the Flash is like the exact same movie, and except it's just horrible. <laughs> this movie's awesome. Uh, this like it's just it's just shows there's just so much creativity in this movie, and it's the way that we are kind of in this stage of superhero movies where they're eating their own tail in the whole multiverse storyline, where it's the multiverse can only be about previous iterations of the superhero so we're just bringing back old Mike, michael keaton or we're bringing back toby mcguire or whatnot we're just bringing all of these things back once again and this movie just feels like such a breath of fresh air because it's it looks at the, the multiverse opportunity and says like we can just do anything and we're gonna do that and so there's like billions of spider-men flying all over the screen and there's like subtitles in the movie like explaining what like like british punk slang means um it's it's just really it's a really cool super inventive um it does not have an ending which kind of sucks but that's okay for now because the rest of the movie is really good and it kind of just shows what you 
maybe all multiverse superhero movies should be animated because it shows you what it can be because every like every universe is animated differently um differently stylized it's just really cool super creative and kind of like a like a crowning example of what animation can do for the superhero genre it's just it's just really impressive so i you know there's a though the cold open of this movie is spider gwen fighting a da vinci vulture so that's you know that's great <laughs> so what more do you need out of a movie when you get that in your first 10 minutes of, of it so it's a great it's a really great movie awesome movie i agree however i agree that the movie doesn't have an ending and it also only one character really gets a like arc in this yep. movie totally agree um so i i don't know i i i thought while i was watching it i honestly did not realize that this film was going to be such a first half of a movie so but like the last 20 minutes were coming up I was like holy they have a ton they need to wrap yeah, up <laughs> nothing has been wrapped up yet <laughs> yeah they're, like they're, they're setting up more plot threads and we're two hours into this movie and I should have known just with the nature of how how uh these you know serialized events happen these days that there was going to be a sequel to this movie um however despite all those complaints I just said I think as a cliffhanger, the movie is really effective. Like the yeah. way that they handled the cliffhanger. Like I I wanted immediately when the credits started rolling to see the next movie. Like I was thoroughly entertained by this movie. It's inventive as hell. There's a chase sequence that is maybe the best action scene I've ever seen in a superhero movie. Um, it's just stunningly gorgeous and entertaining and exciting throughout and uh yeah it, it you said you brought up the flash it, it's like it makes me sick to my stomach that we have a superhero <laughs> movie in theaters of this quality that is this good and then we have the flash as well in the in the theaters horrible yeah yeah it just it it boggles my mind that something this good can exist at the same time as something as as lackluster yeah. as the flash and it's so frustrating because like i said be like all of these multiverse stories are like the same movie over and over again um and I love how this movie is, it's very much about storytelling and how there's like these, yeah. like, it's about these canon events, like no matter canon, what Spider-Man yep. you are, these have to happen. And we'll see where that ends up. I have a sneaking suspicion that they're going to do a great job with it. But I love <laughs> how this this movie is very much about why do we have to keep telling these same stories over and over again? And why can't we do something different and use like these limitless possibilities and actually do limitless things with them? Um, so I thought that was just a really cool stroke of meta commentary throughout the movie as well, especially just and when. I, and can I add on that, like piggybacking off that, the the villain of the, the spot uh, in the movie, I oh, love how it was kind of did the meta like, oh, he's just like this villain of the week, and he becomes this by the end of the movie, he is a genuine threat. Yeah. And it's like I thought that all that was really fun, the way that you have this one meta element of the canon. And we all know the canon of, of Spider-Man. And they they take this formula that we all know and that we're all kind of tired of, honestly, and they make it feel interesting and fresh again. And they they 
it feels like, yeah, they're going to comment on that and give it a purpose. But then it's like, yeah, you have a, a throwaway villain who they turn into one of the coolest visual and yeah. scary and just incredibly inventive villains I, I've seen in a superhero movie in a minute. And it's like, we only, we haven't even seen, I think, barely anything of him, really. You know what I mean? Like, it's like the yeah. second half of this story is going to be really satisfying, I think, with all that. Yeah, Jason Schwartzman's uh, voice work as the mm-hmm. spot is awesome. Um, is. I laughed so hard at the his whole re- revelation where he's like, oh, I need more holes. And he's doing it in his Jason Schwartzman voice. And it's really funny. Um, so, yeah, all the voice work is, like, ridiculously good. Like, it shows, this is, like, this is the difference between, like, the famous person doing the voice work role for, like, a good paycheck. And, and you can really feel, like, the the great work that's going on here it's just it's just really great so yeah you've probably seen this movie but worth a watch if you haven't (laughs) so yeah across spider-verse is a really good movie um i did have a bit of an existential crisis watching it with the fact of struggling with it not having not having an ending and the whole like tvification of movies that we've kind of seen with just like the mcu kind of starting that um, but you know, that's a conversation for another day. This movie's still pretty sick. <laughs> so we'll move yeah. on. Um, what's your next movie you wanted to mention? The next movie I want to mention, which is my number two, is Bo is Afraid. Uh yes. this is yeah, this is the new Ari Aster uh picture. Um, it's actually interesting that you bring up elevated horror earlier in this discussion. Because this is like, um, it feels like Ari Aster listened to our conversations about, oh, Hereditary and Midsummer; those are elevated horror. And he's like, oh, I'm going to make something that <laughs> defies description and alienates the people who were saying, oh, but Ari Aster is like one of the, one of the good ones when it comes to horror. Uh, I truly think that this movie is... Uh, bold it's constantly interesting it is exhausting and it is horrifying it's hilarious laugh out loud funny uh it features incredible performances and i loved every minute of it and all that said i don't know if i ever want to watch this movie again. <laughs> uh, just because it is it's it's a movie that I think deliberately tries to test the the viewer's patience. Yep, absolutely. Um, it's there's a sequence in about the middle of the movie that like the movie takes a 20 minute detour that goes into like this animated play. Oh, it's uh, so which funny. Is incredible. It's incredible. Oh, so funny. The punchline to that is so good. <laughs> it's yeah. so, so good. Yeah, it, it, it's it's just like you feel like you go on a like Lord of the Rings level journey by the end of this movie. Um, I think if I have any minor, minor, minor complaint about this movie, it's that I don't think that the second half is as brilliant as the first half of the movie. Like the first hour of this movie is just wall to wall genius great filmmaking there is some just of the funniest stuff i've seen in a movie in a really long time um and it it just completely feels like oh my goodness like we he's like 
you feel like you're watching Ari Aster's like masterpiece, like his magnum opus. And then uh, the second half, uh, I still love it. Like I still thought it was hilarious and really fun and entertaining. Uh, But there's like, I guess the, the movie is all leading up to kind of, like you said, a a punchline uh, separate from the punchline you're talking about that I think feels kind of slightly obvious with I think what the like it feels like by the end of it you're like okay I I understand where the movie's heading and then the big reveal it's kind of like okay yeah uh but still like so much so much fun and so wildly crazy and bizarre and and yeah just like I said hilarious I thought I laughed my butt off in this movie yeah i think this is like one of the funniest movies i've seen in a long time i really like this movie too um i love that you know i've read about i've read a lot of interviews with ari aster and he kind of he he considers hereditary a horror movie and midsommar he's like i kind of look at that movie it's just like a like a breakup comedy which i'm like oh i can kind of see that there's i think that movie's actually really funny too yeah Um, yeah. will Will poulter's doing a lot of really good uh comedy in that movie um And then he just is like, you guys think I'm this horror guy and I'm just not going to do that anymore with this movie. Um, So he's just off doing his own thing, which honestly makes me more excited. Like I can't, I am fascinated to see what his next movie is, which I know is kind of like this like neo-noir Western with Joaquin again. Um, He just, he just feels like he's just going to go out and just make whatever he wants now that are like genre defying and genre bending all the same time. So I'm really excited about that. And this movie, yeah, it's really funny. One of my favorite bits is in the beginning when Joaquin has to take these pills. And, oh. he, doesn't take, and he doesn't take water with it. And then he searches, um, like, oh, like, take, I didn't, I took these pills with no water, like, effects. And then it, like, just, like, the first Google search is just, like, this obituary where it's, like, remembering John. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's really, the it's side really funny. Death. Yeah, yeah, it's amazing. It's really funny. There's so many, and especially in that first like cityscape like sequence, there are so many great little details. It's really amazing production design. Incredible. Um, like if the Oscars actually made sense, like this would get a production design now. Oh, because uh, it's yeah. just so impressive. Especially with like all the animation you told you talked about, which is from the same directors that did my favorite, mm. The Wolf House, that came out a few years ago. They worked oh, on the animation that. for that. Awesome. Yeah, they they brought they did the animation for that movie or that, that section. Um, so it's really good. Um, and then I do love, I'm not gonna, I don't want to spoil it here, but I do love the final, final joke, which is playing through the end credits. It's really funny. Um, basically him just mirroring everybody's reaction to like watching this movie. It's just really funny. I laughed really hard as I was just sitting in the theater after sitting through this three hour long whatever this is uh so i really got a good kick out of this movie i think it kind of just it pleased all of my weird senses of humor so i'm with you i think this movie is really good do you agree that it's an exhausting movie though oh absolutely when when you got to the end where you just like I felt like I had basically been hit by a train. Mm-hmm. Like I was just like, I don't want to watch anything else today, even though I had a great time watching it. If that makes sense. Yeah, there it's it is. You're right because it's it's three hours long. It is punishing, but also like like there's the whole Mariah Carey bit, which is really funny. Oh my! It's, yeah, 
like there's a lot of really funny moments in this movie that I'll probably rewatch. Like this might be weirdly like a good YouTube movie where you just like watch a scene yeah. kind of thing. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, and for it's also sure. very it's a very episodic movie by design too, so yep. it kind of works for that. Um, but yeah, I'm with you. I don't know when the next time I'll be cranking cranking up Bo is Afraid, but you know, <laughs> I really enjoyed the first experience. <laughs> Um, yeah, we'll move on from there over to my next movie, which is uh, RMN, or MRI in English, I guess, um, directed by... Do you know how to say his name? Is it Christian Manju? I've never heard his name out loud, but he's one of our best directors. <laughs> yeah, I, I honestly don't know. His, I should know his name. Yeah, it's tough. I'm like, you are one of our best directors working, and I don't know how to say your name out loud. Mm-hmm. But we'll call him Christian Man, Christian, Man, Christian M for now. Um, really good movie, RMN, um, which is, I guess, it's not like a hyperlink movie, but it is, it is essentially um, a very um, in-depth um, almost microscopic um, study of racism, of nationalism in this very small Transylvanian village. Um, basically, this this guy he's working abroad in a in a German factory. He gets fired after headbutting his boss and comes back to his town. Um, and in his own town, there's like the one there's one bakery that is like doing is basically operating all of the jobs for the town and they're bringing in um a couple foreigners i think they're from sri lanka um sri lankan immigrants to kind of work in the factory because of all of these crazy quirks in the eu where if this factory applies for this grant they have to to get this grant money they have to have a specific amount of employees but they can't afford it at the specific salary so they have to bring in immigrants who will work for less so it creates this really vicious cycle of anger and resentment and frustration among the townsfolk. Um, and it it's really just a really fascinating look at how um, kind of best intentions and a lot of practices have in globalization around the world have led to just um, a lot of resentment and a lot of backlash in a post-2016 election world. Um, to immigration, to just other cultures, to the idea of people stealing your jobs, like all of these things. It's it, it it's a really fascinating look about how how have we grown and have we gotten we've gone more global. We've actually become more insular. Um, so it's a really interesting look at that, and it all leads to this like this twenty minute long un like unbroken take town hall sequence where everybody in the town is talking to the mayor and saying how they should not allow this Sri Lankan uh, immigrants to work in the town anymore and, or also basically revolt. And it's just, just the camera never moves and you're just studying all these people and all of their reactions to everything. And it is just really good. It's really good filmmaking. Um, so this movie, I think this movie is really good. And I think it's kind of one of the, the most, I guess it's a really good modern text of where we find ourselves in a lot of places. I just think it's a really, it's really deft and it's not, I think in a lot of ways, I think I mentioned this in my review, in my review of the movie on the, on the site, you know, there's, there's people like Adam McKay and Aaron Sorkin who are trying to kind of explain the, the current moment and they're doing it in very big, broad strokes. And that way it kind of seems very pandering and frustrating. Um, but with this movie, it is like very deep down in the minutia where it's taught, like, you know, there's like multiple conversations about these weird, 
like EU grants that caused like this issue, as I kind of like I mentioned before. It's very in the muck, and it really understands how these bureaucratic decisions kind of lead to just fear and hate among just your regular folk. It is just really it is a really really interesting movie. Yeah. So from from this filmmaker. Uh, whose name I'm not gonna say because I'll butcher it. Well. <laughs> We've butchered uh, it enough already. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I've I've only actually seen four months, three weeks, and two days uh, prior to RMN, and uh, what I'll say is that I actually think this movie is quite a bit less subtle than four months, three weeks, and two days. Oh sure. Yeah. Uh, but when I kind of think of it, like I these issues that it's following they're not subtle at all like that i think that's one of the reasons is because we're following the people who who are vocally anti-immigration who are nationalists which is just a nice way to say i'm a racist uh they they're not subtle people like they're full-throated racist and this movie is a exploration and an indictment of that kind of a culture and i think one of the most uh effective parts of this movie is that a lot of the people who are leveling this racism towards these sri lankans they're people who aren't even originally from the country where it takes place themselves romania and i think that that's just really like fascinating about how interesting is how hypocritical these issues often are um and that that scene you talk about this climax of the movie uh it's it's truly like you said an extraordinary sequence because as you mentioned you're just watching this issue stew and you're watching how people react to the situation and how they try to either defend or attack the issue in really really interesting ways uh particularly between kind of the two lead characters there's like a whole story going on between them and then there's a whole entire story in the backdrop of the shot with like the townsfolk and there's people who are saying things that oh i'm with you on this issue but i'm against you on this other issue and it's just really i think a really intelligent portrayal of kind of yeah like what in america we call like a town hall you know where there's so much animosity and these things are often just this pressure machine that's waiting to just explode and uh, i i will also say that the the final the in the final like three minutes of this movie are just crazy like i still yeah. am thinking about them trying to figure out what the movie is even trying to say like in those final three minutes i think that that's the sign of like a great and effective and compelling piece of art for me is when I'm still thinking about it like a week now after having seen the movie. So. Yeah. It's, it, it takes a little dip into the surreal and it, it's a point where I'm like, wait, did I miss a scene? Like what's happening here? Like, yeah, it was, it's same. very, it's very chaotic. And you're like, wait, what is going on here? And then it ends. You're like, Oh, that was interesting. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah I, I think that's something I'm still trying to parse through as well. Um, but like, like you said, I think I do agree where this movie isn't necessarily subtle, but I think it's really deft in the way it's kind of describing and showing the movie. It's very observational. Like, like I said, that, that one scene, the camera never moves. It is just observing these people as they're yelling in this town hall um, session. And a lot of the time, like the camera is moving as little as possible. It's just trying to, it's basically just locked down 
and just observing all these characters move around in the space that you see. Um, so it's even though it obviously has a point of view, it's not imp- it's not imparting its point of view on you as the viewer. You are just you are trying to understand uh, these people and their thought processes. And I think it does a it does a really good job. I think it's a really really good just. Yeah, it's a really good example of everything it's trying to accomplish. It's just a really solid movie. But um, I think we'll move on from there to, I guess, our last movie, which we both share on here. Because I feel like this is kind of a a consensus-beloved movie of the beginning of the year. Number uh, one. Well, yeah, definitely. Um, I think Skin and Rink, if I'm going to be honest, is my number one, if I was yeah. going to rank these. But, uh, you know, that's fine with me. We'll lead to... We, we like to have a nice endings here, where there's symmetry, there's things we're coming together... Um, so the last movie that both, uh, you and I share here is past lives. Um, and I know, I think this, this is your favorite movie of the year. So why don't you kind of take it from the start? Yeah. Like I had, I I hadn't seen a trailer for this movie. I didn't even really know what it was about. I just heard that people were really, really liking this movie and we got to see this movie a little bit early which was uh, fun and exciting. Um, this is the directorial debut of Celine Song, uh, and it follows uh, Nora and Hai Sung, who are these two, uh, two originally from Korea, uh, Korean people who they were childhood sweethearts. And then Nora ends up immigrating to Canada with her family and then later in her life to New York and they reconnect after about a decade and then about another decade after that uh, he comes to visit the United States and it is kind of just about that Um, and this is a beautiful movie Um, really good it's yeah it's prior to the movie the director um there was like a live stream where she was speaking about the movie and she said uh that this is a film that's about the question what if um and kind of how how stirring that question can be to a human being um because there's all these there's all these interactions that we have with people or these encounters that we have with people where we wonder what if that would have gone kind of a different way? Or what if my life would have went a different way and I would have ended up here rather than here? And it's just a really uh, compelling question to explore through film. And the on top of that, the movie kind of alluding to the title, uh, it, it introduces this concept of inyun, which is a Korean concept that kind of talks about how the people who we share interactions with throughout our lives are people who potentially we've interacted with in these in our past lives and you know the concept of reincarnation where you're reconnecting with these people over and over again uh throughout many different lives and i think that that's a really uh beautiful kind of question uh the uh, one of my favorite movies is cloud atlas it explores this as well um and yeah the the perf- the performance in particular by Yu Teo, who plays uh Hai Sung, is extraordinary in this really movie. Good. I think he I think he is like 
deserving of an Oscar nomination for his performance in this film. Like I'm going to go ahead and call the shot and say he should get one because I think that he is just so good in this movie. And the movie, what I found almost the most impressive about it is I was, it's a movie that I did not realize was affecting me in the way that it was until it just hit me like a ton of bricks. Like the final five minutes of this movie or even the final 10 minutes of this movie but particularly those last you. five minutes yeah are just like a gut punch like it hits you like a freight train uh so much so actually that a guy seated behind us at the screening he straight up didn't sound okay he was like full-throated <laughs> sobbing head down like we turned around looked back and his head was straight up down and he was sobbing it was so nuts like i've never <laughs> seen somebody cry that hard in a movie in my life um and i get it like i was i was like just there were like tears coming down my cheeks and i i think it's i think it's incredible it joins the ranks of like my favorite uh kind of I, I i'll kind of consider this a brief encounter movie um and say that i think that this, yeah. this stands shoulder to shoulder with the best of them in my mind um and I, I i literally can't wait to to revisit this movie and go back and watch it again yeah so. maybe that maybe that guy has his own hey song you know he's just going yeah. he's going he's going through a lot of feelings in his, in his yeah. life right now <laughs> i uh, think yeah. so i think you're right <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> It is interesting because it is one of those movies where it really, you, you ask the question of what if, but it makes you kind of start to get existential about your own life and think about all your yep. what ifs and whatnot. And maybe even think about things that weren't necessarily like you think of big tipping points, but now you can, you're like, oh yeah, maybe that was a big deal that I made this decision instead of that one. So it is one of those movies where it kind of, it makes you think all about, makes you think a lot, even not necessarily about the movie itself. Um, yeah, this movie's really good. I want to revisit it as well because it didn't it didn't like kill me. Like I wasn't like sobbing at the end of the movie, and I was really excited for it to do that to me. Um, but I was like, oh, I like I really like you see all the thing like all the writing, all the like the kind of pieces come together, and you're like, oh wow, this is really well done. So I have a feeling it might hit even harder the second time for me. Um, yeah, Greta Lee in the lead role as Nora is awesome. I kind of just want her. She's one of those people where I just want her and everything now. She's just really, she's really great. She's I mean, awesome. Yeah. I think she actually has a voice role in Amazing and Sp Across the Spider Verse. So good oh. for her. Oh. Um, uh, but yeah, it's uh, another movie that's very heavily indebted to Wong Kar Wai. Uh, you think of In the Mood oh, for yeah. Love a lot during this movie, um, so, which is funny because RMN also has a very noticeable callback to in the mood for love where it's playing the main theme that one of the lead characters yeah. is playing that on her cello yep. so i guess this this generation being uh very very influenced by wong kar wai who knows maybe something to monitor moving forward i, I just maybe i just stumbled into a grand theory here on the podcast live who's to say um but yeah it's it's obviously in the mood for love all these like like you said, brief encounter movies. It's still very heavily indebted to. But before it feels sunset. Like, yeah, definitely like before sunset. Before sunset. Um, yeah. It's. It feels like it is like the a great update to all those movies because it is also a movie about technology because it's you know it's like these people reconnect over yep. Facebook and they're talking over Skype for years. And that's how they're connecting. Um, so it's a really good modern 
like version of this kind of movie without feeling like it's like it doesn't feel like its attempts to talk about technology are the point or like overbearing like it is with so many other movies that want to talk about technology and as part of everybody everyday lives it's just something that happens and they it, this create this situation was created out of it um so I thought that was really that was really like just really really smart in how this movie was written. I really, I don't who knows what would happen Oscar wise, but I really think this is a good chance of getting like a best like screenplay nom, it, like one mm-hmm. of the one of the cool movies that gets not a writing nom but doesn't win anything, but it's like a we see you kind of thing, yeah. not nomination. That would that's probably where I see this movie going. But it is really good. It is a really really good movie. Yeah, to be clear, I don't think uh, UTO is gonna get a uh, yeah. A, he should, but he won't. Nom, but he yeah. should. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like I just want to make it clear, I want him to, but he won't. Um. Yeah. I, one more thing I want to mention about this movie is the the editing, the way that it at in times uses memory. They're like split seconds of memory, like a shot from the past. Uh, to kind of show how the past and the present are mirroring each other or kind of colliding and evoke feeling. Uh, I think it's just like a really beautifully edited film as well. And even though it's, not, it's pretty, it's not like showy with its editing, but it just really connects and hits you, I think. So, yeah, I definitely agree with that. It's really good. I think it's generally, I think it's the consensus best movie of the year for people who see a lot of movies, I would say. Yeah. Like, it is, like, it, it is up there. Way, yeah. It has, it seems like it has, like, a, like, the, like, everybody is in on it. It's, like, 100%, like, approval for this movie. I haven't, I haven't seen any take where they're, like, actually, this movie has a lot of problems. Yeah. Like, I haven't, I haven't seen that take yet. I would love to read it, because it's probably crazy. <laughs> yeah, I, I kind of would be interested to hear that, too. Just, yeah. I hate past lives. Yeah, that's one of those. That, that would be one of those things where, like, if you had that in conversation, and someone was like, "Yeah, fuck that movie," you'd be like, "Wait, what?" Yeah, <laughs> please explain. I'm I want to hear more. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah, that, so past lives is is really really good. Um, before we get out of here, you want to talk about any honorable mentions you had? Any movies you wanted to throw out there? Yeah, John Wick. I didn't put it on my list because it's the biggest movie ever you know it just made so much money that i'm like you saw it you saw john wick you don't need me to tell you to watch john wick so that's why i have it on here it's a yeah it's another hot take john wick 4 is pretty good yeah a lot of good (laughs) yeah the john wick is sick i love that movie all these movies continue to make more than the the one before it which is really fun Mm -hmm. um yeah it's just like you know it's almost three hours of john wick kicking ass and it's really great <laughs> so who doesn't want that for real yeah. it's just like you know it's going to be good and it was good so yeah yeah it would be so, boring for me to just say. amazing yeah um i had a few movies i wanted to mention i really enjoyed blackberry which is mm-hmm. the next the la- the next one in the long line of movies about a corporate entity in some way uh except i feel like this is one where it's not like 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 a like a company hagiography you know it's not like everybody who did this was great they were great people and they built a great thing and yay capitalism um it was just it's just you know you have glenn howerton in here who you know has a 
20 something year old guy. I, you know, I, I watched a lot of always sunny in, in my, in my Same. many years. So it's just great to see him in movies and he's just an absolute maniac in this movie and, yeah. and his very obvious bald cap, but it's hilarious. <laughs> yeah. He's incredible in it. Yeah, He's just he's screaming so at the top of his lungs. He's really, yeah. really good. Jay Baruchel is really good in it. Um, it's really a really, really funny movie and really interesting story as well. Um, it's just, I love it. It's such, it's such a, and the punchline of, you know, Apple or Steve Jobs uh, showing the, or showing off the iPhone is just so funny. It's really funny for all, like all, for all of these things that these people did, it amounted to nothing in the end. It's really, it's really, really funny. <laughs> um, that movie's great. I also really liked Rye Lane. I don't know if you got a chance to see this one. Um, it is probably one of the better rom-coms I've can remember watching. It is another one of these. I think it's like 80 minutes long. It's really good. There's a lot of before trilogy vibes in here as well, where it's very much just like a walk and talk through, through, uh, London. And it is just really great. It's all vibes. It's if the, the first hour of this movie is just incredible vibes all around where it's just incredible acting, um, incredible visual storytelling and, ed- and editing. Um, and then it has to be a rom-com and have a rom-com third act where there's, you know, like there's like contrivance to get these people to be angry at each other. And it's all, it's a whole deal then, you know? Um, so that part of it is not what is, isn't amazing, but you know, it's good enough where the, these people are so just charming that you don't, you don't really care too much. But the first hour of this movie is just, you know, as, as we all say, it's immaculate vibes. It's just really great vibes all around. So I really recommend that one. But, Sounds um, cool. Yeah. Any any movies you wish you got a chance to see that you didn't get a chance to see so far? Off the top of my head, I can't really think of anything. Uh, no. I, uh, I'm excited to see No Hard Feelings, which I haven't had the chance to see yet because I heard that was yeah, actually me too. pretty fun. Yeah. Me too. So, I didn't get a chance to see Asteroid City yet. Um, yeah, it's good. Really liked it. Because I'm one of those people that really likes The French Dispatch. And when people keep saying that Wes Anderson gets more and more, I guess, abstract, I'm like, that sounds great. It sounds great to me. Because <laughs> I was one of the guys who was like, this French Dispatch was one of his best movies. So um, wow. I'm really, I've, I'll say it. I thought it was bold. great. That's it's bold. really good. Really good yeah. movie. A lot of a lot of fun to be had with the French Dispatch. So I'm very looking forward to Asteroid City whenever I get the chance to see that. Um, you know, I feel like there's a Shutter movie I'll probably watch a few weeks from now, and I'll be like, oh, that was great. <laughs> it's two. So, yeah. Same. But there's a but there's always something. But I think that that'll about do it for this podcast. But good good 2023 so far. A lot of a lot of movies to be had. A lot of fun times to be had. But um, yeah, Spencer, thank you so much for kind of talking through your cinematic journey of 2023 so far sure it's been fun yeah it's i'm really looking forward to to barbenheimer are you doing the double feature uh i'm seeing barbie a little bit early hoping to see oppenheimer a little bit early too but yeah so i'm I'm excited for both but i'm more excited for barbie as you recall it was on all of our most anticipated list yeah and i don't think oppenheimer was on anyone's do we have to come back here for a double feature pod? I feel like that might be the... Oh, we just yeah. talk about both movies. We got to have the Barbenheimer podcast. Let's do like, it. All right. It has to happen. Yeah. <laughs> Let's do it. Yeah. So I, I can't wait. Movies are back. They're back. That's right. <laughs> well, 
Well, thank you, everybody. We, for... we say that every time, by the way. We say you movies know, are back. Every... They are back in my heart. They're back every single time. That's, that's right. <laughs> well, thank God you, everybody, it, for right. they are they are back. I will get to this closing of this podcast eventually. God damn it! <laughs> um, <laughs> thank you to everybody for listening to this podcast. As always, you can check out all of our stuff at moviebabble.com. All of our all of our writings there, other podcasts, all the things. Look for us on social. You can find us. Um, but yeah, until next time, thank you so much for listening. Movies are back. <laughs>